Oh, whether you're driving to the rink right now, you're sitting in the rink or watching your child play, or whether you're just hanging out, listening to the podcast, you're all in in the world of goaltending, and we thank you for that. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. I'm Darren Millard, along with the co-founders of In Goal Magazine. Say hello to David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. If you're sitting alone at the end of the rink and you're saying, hello, David, hello, Woodley, you're probably going to get some... Uh, some looks, but hey, it's you're probably wearing a mask, so it's okay right now. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, we're excited about this one. Our feature interview brought to you by Sense Arena is Scott Clemenson, who had a lengthy pro career and is now on the development side, uh, the goaltending uh, coaching side with the New Jersey Devils. They had a big announcement this week, and we spend uh, some time with Scott Clemenson. And uh, also, we are going to head over to the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, and I'll look at uh, something called Superfeet. Do you want Superfeet? We can uh, set you up with that uh, with Cam and company. So uh, Woody is all over the place uh, this week, and we're also really excited about uh, some more relationships, uh, expanding that relationship with Sense Arena Hutch. Yeah, we sure are. And we did on the weekend. We were uh, happy to welcome a full house for a webinar that we ran on Sunday. And it featured uh, Eric Comrie of the New Jersey Devils and Bob Tativa, the founder of Sense Arena. And we spent about an hour and a half walking people through uh, what does Sense Arena look like? What is that experience? What does it do for you? We showed lots of video examples. People got to ask Eric uh, all kinds of questions about his experience using it and suffice it to say he uses it virtually every day in his training and finds it incredibly realistic and uh and just showed people a number of videos of what it's like to train in sense arena and, and get a real feel for it and uh thought it went really really well and that video um is actually posted over at ingolmag.com now it's open you don't have to be a member and you can sit down and walk through the entire webinar and get a real feel for what sense arena is is about and when you do that, if you do it before Monday, you can order Sense Arena for yourself. And we've arranged for you to have a $450 discount uh, to really help with that investment. And because we wanted to thank our friends at Sense Arena for all their support of the podcast and everything we do at InGoal, we're going to throw a free year of InGoal premium in for anybody who buys Sense Arena this week. And that's the, you got to make the full annual commitment for these deals. Uh, because if you're already an Oculus uh, owner, you can get it just month by month. Um, and and just really look forward to more people enjoying the Sense Arena experience. Yeah, I think it's, um, we got to give a shout out to for uh, Justin Goldman of the Goalie Guild joined yes, us yeah. as well uh, as sort of a, wasn't part of our plan guest list, but wanted to come and sit in. And given his background in, in VR and the work he's done on this, we wanted to make sure that we asked him and he weighed in with some great uh, responses as well. And I just thought it was a great, you know, a great way to get to know a product that you've probably heard a lot about, but might not have a full understanding for. Uh, the videos really do, they're, they're as close as you can get without putting a headset on. I love, you should see the job that Hutch did, like, and you have to go see it where you actually see the goggles go on the guy and, and boom, as soon as, as soon as you raise them up to your head, you see the Sense Arena environment. And again, as much as it can be captured on a video screen, because once you're actually wearing the goggles, it's like you're in the rink. It really is. And so it was cool to hear from Justin. It was cool to hear Eric Comrie talk about how he's using it specifically, uh, some of the box control stuff and how he, much like Craig Anderson, will watch everything but the puck to try and learn how to read releases. There's a little bit of that from Eric Comrie or, you know, just sort of sitting there not trying to make saves and 
you know, recognizing how much space he's filling without moving, using Sensorina as part of that, understanding your sort of spatial awareness using virtual reality. I thought that was all pretty cool. And to hear it from a guy who's, you know, playing at the highest level, um, it sort of reinforces what we've heard from a lot of the pros we've talked to and reinforces our own experiences. So if you have questions about Sensorina, I'd highly recommend checking out the webinar because I think it answers a lot of them. That's interesting, filling the space and being able to look at it that way. I'd, I'd never really thought of, of the usage uh, in, that, in that regard. Well, one of the things that's great is it puts up the, uh, the box control ropes. You know, some of you have probably seen where a coach will bring out ropes, attach them to a stick, and they go to the top of the post and the bottom of the post, and you can see where the puck has access to. Uh, you can put that up while you're training. But the other thing you can do is after a session, you can turn around and view, uh, sort of review that session from either the shooter's perspective or sort of walking around the goaltender from his own perspective. And so you can get a real feel for how you were filling that space by looking at your body and how it's moving compared to those box control lines. And, uh, and Eric mentioned himself that he'll do that and realize, wow, I, I really didn't have to move very much at all to get to that puck. Sometimes you feel like you missed it by just that much. Well, yeah, you did miss it by just that much. Um, or some people end up reaching, feeling like they have to cover that huge four by six space when, when really there's a much smaller space in front of them that's what they really need to cover. And, uh, and those ropes and the chance to review things in virtual reality is uh, a, a great opportunity. Yeah, and to hear, like again, to hear Eric Comrie, he's, 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 had his, uh, he's had his time in quarantine this year, three separate stints, so he's had a lot of extra time to play with the Sense Arena. But to hear a pro talking about looking back and you know, one of the things that Sense Arena is you can sort of flip the script and, and, and replay it from the shooters and puck perspective, to hear that these guys are using that tool to see where they are, to see where that space is after having seen the puck come at them in the real-time environment. Like, again, like as Hutch said, you, like, you can't review this on the ice. You can't, it's hard to get those tools out. We, Eric talked about, we used to with Lyle Mast uh, when we were out in the summers, like, and this is, this goes back years before I'd ever heard of box control, um, have the posts. He had a couple of posts that he had built into bases that would go up in front of you to sort of, again, frame that net for you and help you build that understanding on the ice. And they were great except shooters picking corners when the posts were lined up to the posts behind you and understanding the small net in front of you, they would inevitably hit them and they'd move and they'd wave and you'd have to reset oh, yeah. them. And none of that, like none of that, you can actually do that in VR. And so I just thought it was, it was really positive and cool reinforcement to hear it's being used at that level. And, you know, it sounds like it's being used by other guys in quarantine, Darren. We were talking off air about Philip Grubauer and, and you know, another guy who's been in quarantine. Love that he went to the local ice rink to have a skate outdoors. Like, at an outdoor, just outdoor rink. rink, yeah. Yeah, but he couldn't. Uh, I, I doubt he had the ropes out at the outdoor rink. No. So when he's on his sense arena and he's one of the users, you know, he would have been able to, to, to really sort of play the game the way goalies are trying to play the game these days. Uh, the best part, too, is that you don't need, uh, no offense to Lyle, but you don't need the, the the coaches, you don't need the post, you don't need the shooters, you don't need the ice, you don't need the net. Like, you can just do it on your own and train whenever you want to uh, fit it into your day or structure it uh, into your day. But you can you can just make it happen uh, on the spot. So that's uh, that's also a huge benefit. Yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed seeing some of the, the video and the different uses of it. It's, uh, it's been a different... Uh, different way to uh, expand the technology and take advantage of it and uh, looking forward to uh, watching even more. Uh, we'll get back to that in just a little bit. Uh, 
Uh, also want to bring up uh, the hockey shop and things happening uh, over there, Woody. Yeah, no, um, I mean, in addition to the gear segment today, uh, the demo sale is still on if you missed it last week. Uh, I thought it was a pretty cool little segment with with Braden Holtby's gear and such a unique setup, like with the toe cap, like the toe area actually cut out like Marty Berdur style where he used to have the buckles, except Braden now has a piece of leather over top, like a toe cap. Um, and you can actually buy that set still, I think, from the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, as well as, now, to be honest, we sold out most of their demo gear pretty quick, but there's still some pretty cool items left. So make sure you check out the demo sale at thehockeyshop.com and, you know, make sure you keep your eyes out there. We're only, we're only a couple of weeks away here now um, from sort of what what they call lockdown lifts uh, in terms mm. of the new gear uh, starting to debut. Some of the new lines for 2021, we're going to get our first glimpses at it here in the next couple of weeks. And of course, the folks over at the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com will have you covered. We'll have you covered, but they'll have you covered as well. We've already been on the ice with the latest from Bauer, the latest uh, from CCM with the folks at the hockey shop. So they're preparing that material as well. So keep an eye out for the new stuff. But in the meantime, you can save some money on on what's in stock as well as uh, all the demo gear. You know what made me think uh, watching you guys with that Holtby set was like the jingle of the pad is on its way out. But the, the buckles and, and the way that the it it, uh, it sort of makes that sound, that very that famous, uh, familiar sound, yeah. Uh, is, is is on the way out. That's one of the last sets that uh, that you'll be able to do it with. Well, and the funny thing is, so in order to sort of give you what the pad looked like behind the scenes, I had to unbuckle the leather straps to open up the leg channel. And because because Holpi's got that super tight leg channel inside, kind of like an old Von V two, where that that inner layer is just so narrow and snug, and. I was like, oh, man. And then Scott Clemenson tells us how much, you know, he's, he's done the yeah. math on how much time he wasted getting dressed as a goalie. And I'm like, yeah, it's not like that anymore, man. Like, this, like you're right. I miss the aesthetics of the sound, but I don't miss having to undo and redo leather buckles. Give me, give me Velcro for the win every day. I will say this uh, in taking off the, uh, the access pads that, uh, that I'm wearing. Uh, putting them on is great. Taking it off is like, literally two seconds boom boom and they're right off your leg and <laughs> it's like whoa there's nothing worse when you're exhausted than having to yeah. go buckle by buckle and let's be honest we're we're buckled by the end of most of our skates so it's tough uh we have uh the super feet uh conversation uh, do you want to set this up with cam in our visit with uh, the hockey shop the hockey shop.com source for sports surrey well, we're just trying to find some some different things, something new. We talk a lot about the latest and the greatest that's coming out next year's lines and all the prep for that over the next couple of weeks. But sometimes it's it's cool to remember that they have other things around the store to help you be a better goaltender. And, you know, that can be anything from uh, G-form knee pads, which which they still stock as well now that nobody else makes a pour on sort of knee only sleeve. Um, you know, with, with Bauer not having it anymore, they stock chief form. So, and Carey Price bought multiple sets because he was running low from the hockey shop last year. Little items around the store that can help you become a better goalie because the guys that are doing the buying, guys like Cam, they know what works. And I was actually a little surprised that Superfeet can make such a big difference. We're literally standing in front of a wall of, you know, skates that range up to $1,000 plus. Every brand has custom fitting. And yet, and some have, you know, some upgraded insoles and yet 
nothing to the extent of super feet. And what's interesting to me is uh, my daughter plays club volleyball. She has super feet in her shoes and fine, they make a big difference. So to have Cam walk you through it, like, I mean, honestly, for all we spend on equipment and skates as goaltenders, the idea that a $50 insole can actually improve your connection to the ice and improve sort of that responsiveness of that skate, it kind of only makes sense, right? So we had Cam walk us through it. Super feet with Cam Matwev. At the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports, Surrey. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, source for sports, thehockeyshop.com. I'm here with Cam Matwiv down in Goalie Utopia. We are standing in front of a wall of the latest and greatest, the best, some old model, like pretty much everything you could ever want in a skate. And we're standing with a guy who knows how to fit you properly for your skate. And yet, for all as far as we've come in skates, there is a product you can buy after the fact that will improve your skating. And it's a lot cheaper than a brand new set of skates. So, like, I'm, I need to know what this magic product is. Cam Matwiv, tell me about Superfeet. Comfort, fit, performance. These are all things. In my super. Okay, I'm not sure if Elias Pettersson uses them, but for our Vancouver audience who's familiar with his Audi commercials, that was pretty good. I'll give you that. That was pretty good. So how do they actually work? Okay, so what Superfeet are for, um, it's an insole that's replacing uh, basically what we'll call the stock rivet cover that's in pretty much almost all skates that are on the walls nowadays. Um, what this will do is provide support for your foot and mainly filling out your arch profile and your heel when it's actually in the uh, skate itself. One of the things that happens uh, with your foot when you're naturally putting pressure down on it without support is that your heel bone is basically going through the last layers of heel fat that's in the back of your foot and that's contacting the floor. So when you, you know, you, are, sorry, you, are you saying that I have fat heels? Well, I haven't seen your cankles before, but I bet you do have some. Okay, keep going. So a good way to test this out yourself is that on an unsupported foot, if you go up onto your tippy toes and fall back, you'll feel that thud as soon as you kind of hit. And that's basically your heel bone hitting on the back glass layer and that's the rest of your body weight coming down. When you use a product like Superfeet, for example, um, and how this all combines into where we're going with this, if you go and do that with Superfeet, that helps suspend uh, the heel fat up and create an extra layer. So when that heel comes back down, that bone doesn't contact that last layer of skin onto the ground, so it creates a bit of a cushion. That also picks your foot up into a performance stance Allowing you, especially as a goalie, when you're in that stance and on the balls of your foot, you go to go push, there's no flattening out of your foot. So when you go to go push, in theory, there's more energy transfer, you have a more powerful push. It's all just from $50 insole. Does it actually change your pitch, your forward pitch, or it just allows you to maintain it more... I would say it's a maintain. It is more of a maintain. I, I, I'd never... So whatever the skate sets up for you, and we've talked about different brands, different pitches, this product is going to allow that to sort of stay constant as you move around on the ice rather than having your insole cost you the performance that you were trying to get out of your skate itself. This actually supports the performance of the skate. Correct. I, exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to be correcting and I'm not going to be like tipping you forward by any means. Um, again, this is just something to fill out and provide that support when you need it and how you use it, for example. Different options 
Correct. fitting process? Is this something people can do online or are they probably going to have to come see you? This is a bit more of a personal fit. Um, it is something that uh, should be sized up by a professional as there is a proper way to fit them. Um, they do fit different feet. That's why there are different colors, um, different recommendations for your skate and applications. There are a multitude of different super feet you'll see. Um, the ones that I tend to recommend, especially for goal skates, are the black super feet. A low volume insole, this black insole was actually originally designed for a dress shoe. But between a dress shoe and a goal skate, it actually has a very similar foot plane with slightly tilted forward onto the toes. Um, these are what I personally use myself. Um, it's a low don't, don't let that stop you, folks. Yeah, don't let that stop you. Uh, performance, I like this. Um, low volume, so we're not going to be changing the fit of your skate, which is very important. Uh, again, we're just complementing that fit that's already there. Creating that extra comfort because now you have support inside your skate. Um, your arch isn't going to be flattening out as much. Again, that heel conversation that we talked about earlier. Um, but, you know, if I can make you 1% better, that 1% over an extended period of time can translate into you know, 100 goals. Who knows? Um, they do say they do come with a bit of a lifetime to them. Um, they do say about 200 hours of ice or one season. Um, usually, like for me, I'll get the lifetime of my skates out of it because I'm not on the ice as much as, you know, some of you guys that are probably out there or some of the kids that are listening. Um, that said, uh, again, it is something that you do want to have someone fit you up for properly. Um, they have sizes listed on them that doesn't always line up with your skate slash foot size. It is a lot based off of the letter that comes with it. And that letter that comes with it depends on your foot shape, size, and your own specific need. So there are going to be some elements where you absolutely want it fit, but there might be some situations where somebody has, you know, specifications that they're aware of and maybe they can pull this off online or or by phoning you up so where would they get a hold of you to get more information about superfeet and making sure they get the right one for them you'll find the superfeet online at thehockeyshop.com or you can give me a call at 604-589-8299 now the test cheater 1-800-567-7790 thehockeyshop.com only took them a year folks Cam, thanks for having us. Thanks, Cam. I learned something in that. I learned something every week, but I, I use Superfeet already, and uh, it makes sense that there would be a shelf life to it, but I know what I'm doing this week. It's going out and replacing the Superfeet insoles because I've had them for a couple of years. Well, don't forget when you do that, because I know where you're going to do it, Darren. You're going to do it yes. at thehockeyshop.com. Don't forget, in goal 20 for a 20% discount on the Superfeet, as well as a lot of other items around the store. When you check out, honestly, we just recommend it. Throw down the in goal 20 code and see what happens. It's usually a good thing. I like it. Superfeet. It got me excited just, just seeing it come across uh, my inbox going, Ooh, this this I'm gonna get some super feet this week, and uh, and then going through that process, uh, I'm I'm excited about it, and it does it does make a difference in in how you will perform in that connection to the ice. Uh, Scott Clemenson uh, went through uh, a few different uh, styles and equipment changes and just uh, approaches to the game, and through his career with the New Jersey Devils and the Florida Panthers in the National Hockey League. And uh, coupling that uh, with some years in the, the minors, uh, this is a player that has uh, really soaked it all in, was a top college goaltender, and this week uh, spent some time with us in a feature interview brought to you by Sense Arena. And uh, we, we kind of got down a path here, Woody, 
and we stuck with it because it it was really fascinating uh, with the way Clemenson approaches the game, not only as as a goalie coach, but also the equipment side of it. Yeah, just everything. You know, I mean, we wanted to talk to him about his career. It was a fascinating career. We ended up getting so wrapped up in the development side that, and and for good reason, you can see why they named him New Jersey's goaltending director and development. Um, just so many great thoughts on the position from from kids right up to the pro level and and some of the different you know challenges and ways to embrace those challenges i mean right like right down to uniform like building a glossary of terms for the new jersey yes. devils goalies in the organization there is there is so much goalie goodness here i think every goalie coach and every goalie parent like i know i like to say it's a must listen but if you're a goalie coach or a goalie parent this one is an absolute 100% must listen to interview Got a couple of little things that stood out. I'll bring those up uh, after the interview because I'm curious whether you are listening are of the same uh, wavelength uh, as what what I was taking in in when Scott was talking about things. So here is the uh, the former New Jersey Devil, also forgot uh, Toronto Maple Leaf uh, for a couple of games, and the uh, Florida Panthers, Scott Clemenson, part of the new goalie development team with the New Jersey Devils on In Goal Magazine. Ingle Radio, the podcast brought to you by Sensorina VR. Let's start off with the basics and just get us some structure, uh, Scott. Uh, how does the org chart look with this new announcement and then follow on down to the the, the ice and, and who works with the goaltenders? Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's a number one. It's um, obviously it's a, it's a positive development in, in quite quite frankly, all the, the goaltending world. Um, you know, it's something I think that has um, been on the horizon for many years, and then uh, you know, I think it's just kind of coming to fruition now. And uh, we're no different than other organizations where we uh, think that you know the goaltending position is quite possibly the most important one uh, in the sport, and so you know, allocating is. Uh, as many resources as you can to this this position, I think is a smart thing, and then obviously I think it shows uh, a belief uh, from the ownership standpoint to to realize this and to get this implemented. So uh, to answer your question here, um, you know uh, it's going to start from the top where you've got um, a director such as myself. Um, even above that, uh, you know, in Roberto Luongo in Florida, but even above myself, uh, I'm a guy like Marty Brodeur. Uh, really kind of be the, the head man at the top down to myself uh, who's kind of directing traffic. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, Dave Rogalski, our, our goalie coach in uh, New Jersey. Um, we got Brian Eklund, our new goalie coach for our American League affiliate in, in Binghamton. Um, that's where we're at right now. Um, I'm also serving as uh, in my current and uh, past role as a, a goalie development coach. So I'm uh, you know, splitting duties there as well. Um, so looking forward, uh, we sort of built this thing out pretty, uh, slowly to start, but looking forward, uh, there is, uh, you know, there's a possibility that we add a few more positions even. Um, and so now, you know, you're looking at possibly a, a dedicated goalie scout, um, whether it's, uh, two and maybe one in Europe, uh, and then having a North American one, uh, if we go a separate, uh, direction with the goalie development coach, you know, that's a possibility as well. So. Right now, we're looking at about three to four of us right now, including uh, Marty, but um, it could expand even moving forward. So into a, a much bigger department. 
But uh, like I said, I think that uh, this is something that uh, in terms of goalie coaches and the goalie world, I think it's been on the horizon for a while. And I just think that it's a, you know, it's a move in the, a positive move in the, in the right direction. And it's going to, I think it's just going to uh, create more alignment um, and, and to better um, systematically put this process together. If you look back at your career and I was 14 years as a pro, but especially back to those early years, like, are there things you lived or examples like, like what's somebody who is just entering the organization now, how much more support, and this isn't casting aspersions at how things were in with the devils when you came into the organization as a young pro, but that's just how it was in hockey. Like, can you compare how many more resources a kid right now is going to have to say when you were starting out, it feels like there was a lot more learned on your own back then. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that uh, is general, not even just for, for goaltending, uh, right? I think it's pretty general. Obviously, when I played uh, way back when, you know, you were drafted and you know, really didn't, you know, you talk to the organization every once in a while. They didn't have a whole lot of interaction until, you you know, you actually uh, signed that contract. And uh, back then, I felt like I was one of the lucky ones because uh, coming out of Boston College in 2001 now, 20 years ago, geez. Uh, I signed with the Devils, was drafted and signed with the Devils. I felt like one of the lucky ones because they had a uh, full-time goalie coach uh, with their American League team in Albany with Chris Terreri. Um, so, uh, but that was not the norm certainly back then, um, and it's quite—it's not the norm right now, even. Uh, you know, but it has come a long way. And most teams do have at least goal-attending development coaches who kind of assume that role. And you know, primarily your job as a development coach. Uh, whether it's with goalies or, or, or boards or D, but, uh, you know, is to cultivate that relationship and that mentoring process from the day, you know, you draft a player and he's playing, you know, overseas or junior or college, whatever the case is. So um, it's so, so different than when I played. Uh, now you've got constant communication. You've got development camps. You've got development coaches who are calling. Uh, there's more responsibility on the players end, but that's a good thing. Um, you know, you're constantly aware of what the organization thinks of you, what they expect of you. Um, you're talking the same language, getting, like I said, getting in there for development camps. Now you're on the ice. Uh, you get to uh, have a barometer as to where you, where you are within the organization. And then um, as you move forward, you get signed and now you're in the minors uh, and you're working with the same people um, and you're going through those camps and working with the goalie coach uh, with the big club. And it's just, um, you know, I think it's more systematic and there's, there's more resources and more people, um, where, like I said, you said, uh, back when I played, it was a little bit more of, okay, we got your rights. Um, you know, you kind of figure it out. We'll leave you alone until, uh, you know, until you can reach the big club. The easy question is, do you, do you have a goalie philosophy, uh, in the department? The t- more difficult question is. Do you as a department look at each goaltender and say, we want this player to play like this? Well, the philosophy is this, um, and, and it's really kind of quite simple and it's, it's, it's pretty to the point. Um, there's no one way, correct way to play this position. You know, that's, I, you know, when we vetted our, our, you know, the candidates that we were looking at, um, this was a big one for us. You know, you got to be able to work and, and want to help other people. And you have to understand that there's no one right way of playing. Um, and this is, that's really the only thing that, that, that I and we are requiring um, in the New Jersey Devils system. You know, and this is no different than a, than a, a regular coach, assistant coach. Um, you can't have a cookie cutter approach and, and, and coach everyone the same way. You know, you look at our team. 
um, you know, our, our assistant coach, Mark Recchi, you know, he can't coach Jack Hughes and Nico Hiche and Miles Wood the same way. You know, they're different players. They're all, they're all NHL players and you got to be able to, to take the talent and the guys that you have and their abilities and their sizes and the, from a goaltending standpoint, their reflexes and, uh, you know, everything. You're taking all that into account, but you have to be able to coach the goalie um, with what works best for him. You know, and and they come in all different shapes, sizes, and abilities, and and you got to be able. To, so, the philosophy is, you have to be able to coach everyone, and there's no one right way. I love that. There's no absolutes in goaltending. It's what makes these discussions so great. They're always evolving. What are the discussions like for you guys? Like, I don't know if you meet on the regular and have powwows about the evolution of the position, but I can imagine, especially with a guy like Marty involved, and and you know, I don't know Brian Eklund, but Dave Rogalski, like. When you guys get together and talk goaltending, what are those discussions like? Is it, you know, are you bouncing things off each other about the way the game is changing, the way the position is changing? How often do you get those types of, of group chats? Oh, a lot. Uh, you know, they're regularly. Um, it's obviously a little bit different uh, this season. Uh, you know, we, this is our first year, all of us in this new position, you know, in our new roles for all of us. But uh, prior, you know, some prior relationships I've had with, with all of us, we knew, you know, we, all the three of us, we knew each other before, um, this took place. So that helps obviously for us to hit the ground running and we're not afraid to speak our minds and we don't always agree on everything, but those, those conversations happen quite frequently. Um, and they're happen, uh, daily, to be honest with you, with so, with, you know, everything that we've got going on and trying to navigate, uh, COVID protocols and who's in and who's out and who's coming off and, the co- now the coaches are in the protocols. And so, um, you know, there's been some time uh, in the past couple of weeks where I've covered with, for some of the coaches and getting on the ice, which I wouldn't normally uh, do as much. But, uh, you know, it just it, it provides um, a more um, provides more more stability, I would say, within uh, the organization for coaching these goalies and obviously um, helps the goal team, you know, the goaltenders themselves uh, a lot more when. Uh, you have that kind of support system there, but the, the conversations uh, happen daily, uh, and they're they're all encompassing. They're all on on who's playing, what we're working on, even the language that we use. We want it to be similar. So a guy gets called up, he's the Dave Rogalski is using the same language that Brian Eklund used, uh, you know. And so what does uh, you know? And we have guys going up and down. What do they need to work on? We're all uh, collaborating, and, and we're all involved with guys you know, where his game is at, uh, the strengths that he needs to execute within his game, uh, some of the areas that he needs to improve on. So whenever there's movement, um, you know, it's a kind of a seamless transition. Are there any examples you can share on language? Because I'm fascinated by that one, because I will have, this is the beauty of the job. You have conversations with goalie coaches and goalies around the league, and they will use different phrasing, different words to describe essentially the same thing. I, I think the most recent one I can think of is, you know, double seal. Um, in Clark here in Vancouver calls it reverse tracking, right? Like in terms of play behind the net, a pad, a skate on each post, like the importance of making sure when you say a phrase on a technique or a philosophy and everyone in the organization understands it, are you essentially building your own goaltending dictionary here? And are there any examples you can share like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm obviously, uh, there's to be honest with you, you, could go through the whole, you know, the whole lot, and you know, and say, but it is, and ultimately, it's not, it's not a big deal because you know there are, you know, they're in the goaltending world. There, there's seven different ways of saying the same thing, right? 
So it's just picking one that, that works uh, best for you guys. And so that, you know, everyone, like I said, everyone's using the same language and the goalies themselves aren't getting, you know, confused, but, you know, just something as simple as like zone awareness, you know, it's very, very easy. And like I said, I could go through all of them and we, we know what they mean. It doesn't matter actually what, what you call it is just as long as the goalie understands what you're talking about. And like I said, then everyone's using the same, the same language. Uh, do you have a handbook? Is that, is, is there like a printed book? Oh, just Darren, the, the, the goalie handbook is like, so, you know, it's like thousand pages. We don't, we don't <laughs> think anyone actually reads that thing, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, we got one, but no one, you know, no one really reads it. It's mostly about executing. You were on the ice. Uh, do you have a set of gear still? Because you get you were getting a little thin there for a while uh, in the organization yeah. with with COVID and and uh, injuries. Yeah, seriously uh, and honestly, it, it seems like this conversation comes up uh, once a year where you're getting in trouble. Like if some guy on a game day is hurt, and you're like, "Geez, you have your gear. You need to get there." And, um, uh, oh man, it's just kind of dissipated as as the uh, you know as the years have gone by here. But uh, that's not a joke, you know. And and we. Geez, we, we've got a plethora of goalies here in New Jersey, and it seems like we've needed them all uh, at this point, uh, for better or for worse. And um, that's just, like I said, just trying to navigate the craziness that is this, you know, this season. But if we get down to me, if we're down that far, and we've, we've been close, we've been close, but geez, if we got down that far, we, we'd really be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I got to ask if there is a set of gear, Scott, is it, uh, is it the Vaughn that you wore? Like, if, is that what's still in the garage? And when was the last time you did put it on? Like do you play most guys in the retire don't play at all. Have you, have you played since? Oh, yeah, well, number one, I always miss playing. Uh, always. I don't care how old I will, uh, how old I am. I will always miss, uh, you know, miss being out there and playing and, um, moving into this, uh, you know, this new role. There were times when I thought oh, I wanted to get out there and, you know, I'm trying to like keep fit and I like working out, but there's nothing like playing, you know, being on the ice. That's the best, you know, in that competitive environment. And uh, there have been times in the past where, you know, a goalie can't make it to practice or whatever. So I put the gear on and get out there, you know. Um, there's always like a fear in the back of my head, though, that you know, I'm going to be exposed as like a fraud, you know, and these guys are going to be watching me and I can't do do what I'm uh, preaching to them. But uh, uh, but no, it, it's fun. I, I like doing it. Uh, I haven't been doing it as much in the past, uh, you know, five knee operations throughout my career. And then the older, older to get, uh, you know, the harder it is to, to do that, but it doesn't mean that I don't want to. Um, but, uh, you know, I like getting out there when I can. So I still got the equipment. Uh, it's what I, what I last you know, used, uh, in the 2014, 15 season was last, last year that I played. Um, people ask me all the time too, you keeping all your equipment. What do you do with your equipment? Um, I'm a minimalist, so I don't, I don't like to have things around. I don't like hoarding things. So I never kept any of my equipment except for my sticks. Uh, and that was just because I kind of wanted to see like what kind of patterns I was using or if I need to change my pattern, what did I use with when I played with the Marlies back then? And when I was with Florida, you know, and so I kind of kept my sticks. So I got a ton of sticks in the garage. Uh, and then uh, my helmets, you know, I keep, kept all my masks or most of my masks. I've given some away, but. Really, those are the only two uh, items that I've kept. Try to keep the clutter to a minimum. But I do have my stuff. I haven't put it on in a while. Um, thankfully, uh, my knees are better off for it. Let me tell you. Your sticks, did, did, did the lie uh, change or the, the paddle length change over the years? Yep. Yep. They did. They did. Um, I, I probably tweaked my stick 
for better or for worse. I don't know. Looking back at it, it's probably worse, but I did change my stick pattern about every other year, I would say. So yeah, I've got some sticks, the paddle's different and it's shorter and this one's longer. And then the lie's different and the curve's different. And, um, be interesting to go back and I haven't done this, but it'd be interesting to go back and see, you know, where, you know, on some of these, uh, some of the places that I went wrong, like maybe it was a stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that role with, you know, when you were working with the American League guys or in the development role in the past, like active on the ice and, and talking to these guys, does equipment come up? Like oh. there seems to be like a lot of this new generation, some of them don't necessarily really understand their tools all the time. I, like were you having mentoring sessions on that side? Yeah, oh, for sure. Uh, to be honest with you, it is a little bit part of the coaching actually in the, in the goaltending world anyway uh, is part of, you know, part of it is equipment. Um, whether it's your skates, uh, your, like I said, your stick, the stick height, paddle height, um, uh, just, you know, even, even, uh, your pads, you know, they could be too big, too small, whatever. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, uh, equipment talks, I think going, you know, and not just in a, Hey, we're, we're both kind of gearheads and interested in the goalie equipment, but, uh, you know, there is a real, uh, a, a real factor in terms of goalie coaching, there is a real aspect of how the equipment is fitting, what you're using, even going brand to brand, even, um, will sometimes make a difference for goalies. Um, so there's, there is that real, real part of it. Honestly, yeah. Do you have to stay in touch with, with the gear in the sense of, of seeing it firsthand, not just on goaltenders and, and watching other goaltenders, but, uh, with manufacturers to try and, uh, maintain that connection yeah you do um and that's you know i like doing it so it's part of the you know part of the business that you like but no it is uh if it is going to be a, a factor in how you coach then you do have to know uh you know what's going on and a lot of it is uh you know getting that feedback from the manufacturers but then obviously when the goalies uh usually within your organization you got goalies that use all different kinds of uh, of equipment and so you you see it up you know up you know up close and uh, in the locker rooms when they come through. And so, uh, you know, and, and like I said, it is a real part of it, but, uh, you know, it's just part of the, part of the, the mental Rolodex, I guess, that you have as a goalie coach. See, now I didn't plan on having Scott Clemenson become our equipment advisor in this episode, but now I got to ask, cause you went to sticks and lengths. Cause it's a question we get a lot. How do you properly fit paddle length? for a young goaltender or a teen goaltender like what like how do you do it how do you talk to these guys about that yeah well i mean when you're talking about young goaltender you're talking about like a first year pro or you're talking about like a 10 12 year old i guess i, I guess you could ask it for both but maybe maybe we go in between and say a 14 50 year old who is progressing to look at a you know and hey some of these kids are six foot two already at 14 so yeah you're right you're right well, I mean, as a, as a young kid, you know, uh, especially when you're first starting out, I don't care how old you are, um, you know, I think it's important that you're able to, you know, have a proper stance and be able to feel the ice with your stick, you know, uh, in your stance. I think that that's, that's a big one. Um, I always thought that your stick, uh, you know, the two, the, the most important pieces of equipment, to be honest with you, for a goalie are your skates, you know, your feet are so important for every goalie. I don't care who you are. And if, I always kind of described it as your feet are kind of like the wheels of a car while your stick is kind of like the steering wheel. Um, you know, you know how it is and you're a goalie, you have a stick, you know, if you're driving down the highway, you don't have a steering wheel, you feel pretty, pretty naked, don't you? Um, you know, your stick is that important, uh, to your, your feel. Now, obviously as you get older, 
um, you can kind of deviate from that a little bit because um, you all, you know, you can uh, you get a guy like Bobrovsky, for example, uh, he has built, you know, his stick has paddle length around his butterfly, right? Um, and just like everything in goaltending, your stick, your paddle length here that we're talking about is a give and take, right? Uh, when you go down into the, into the butterfly, a lot of goalies find it awkward. You got a long paddle. It's, it's very awkward to, to maneuver and to manage it. Right. Um, you know, look at Bob Roski, his paddling is so small that when he's upright in his stance on his feet, it hardly touches the ice. Um, but he's so good uh, and he's older and he understands, you know, the weight transfers and what he needs to do. Uh, does he necessarily have to have it touching there? No, we'll allow Bob Roski that as an NHL player. I would say that that's probably not how you want to be if you're 10 and 11 and getting into the position. Um, but how do you build your, your paddle length? It, it's, it's a, it's a preference. You want to have a longer one. You want to be able to feel the ice a little bit more, or do you want to be like Barbrowski where you build that out more? So where now I'm, I'm more comfortable with it in my butterfly, um, and, and not giving up that, uh, you know, you, that hole, that six hole there. So, um, it's a preference. Um, but I would say that, uh, just like everything else, you got to be able to coach those preferences and what guys like. Uh, and then if something's not working and something's not, uh, you know, if he's given up goals, that's when you step in, Darren's like, you say, you step in and you start saying, Hey, maybe we need a longer paddle length there. Maybe we got to switch stick, whatever it is, uh, or companies. So, um, I don't know if that answers your question, but, uh, you know, it beautifully, <laughs> Uh-huh. beautifully hey well, well you talk about equipment like it sounds like so I, I had asked like how does a kid from iowa become a goaltender like not that there's not hockey there but we don't see a lot of guys go to the nhl from iowa you and cal peterson are the two that come to the top of my head for from a goaltending side of things who were your inspirations how much did gear play in you know, play a role in wanting to play the position yeah and you know what probably a lot uh you know i hear this from other goalies as well uh you know it's what got you into goaltending and i never really thought about it until i heard other people say the same thing like well i thought the gear was so cool and uh, i think that's uh a part of it uh to me to be honest with you the best part about goaltending the worst part is getting dressed putting that equipment on took me 22 minutes i can't think of how much time i wasted in my life putting (laughs) equipment on you know i hated that part the best part about being a goalie for me was that you had a lot of control over the game. You know, um, I played football, but I was on the defensive side, but you always, I always wanted to be a quarterback, to be honest with you, because you had control over the game, most control. But as a goalie, you know, you're out there all the time. You're not switching, uh, you know, you're not changing and playing 20 minutes or 18 minutes, whatever it is. Um, you're on the ice and you have a lot of control over the outcome of the game. Now, you're not scoring goals, but you're preventing goals. And uh, to me, that was the most uh, most alluring thing to me um, is that it was that mental uh, it was that mental challenge between you and yourself and the game uh, and the clock and the, the shooters. Um, and you had a lot of control because of you obviously if you don't give up any goals, you can't lose the game in that manner, right? Uh, so to me. I think equipment had a little bit to do with it, but for me, it was actually more about, you know, having that control, but just like everyone else, I read your, uh, you know, you read some of your blogs and stuff on NHL.com, uh, Kevin, about, uh, you know, every Christmas time it was like, okay, what, what, what can I get here? I'm looking for a new stick, a helmet, a mask, whatever. Hey, that was always my big, big Christmas, Christmas wish list was, uh, some sort of piece of equipment every year. Well, is there one that jumps out? Is there a memory? 
Well, you know what? I always had like the white glove. I want a white glove, you know, just back then, you know, I I grew up, like I said, I grew up in Iowa and I had the community equipment and it was all back then. It was all the the brown stuff. I just want anything with color on it. You know what I mean? That's what I wanted. But uh, um, but, interesting enough, uh, it is good to see guys like uh, more Iowans come into play in the NHL, guys like Kyle Peterson. Uh, There's actually another another uh iowa name uh that is uh i was the first i think anyway my knowledge the first iowa to play in the nhl but uh cal peterson was the third uh who was the second you guys know who the second one is? i wouldn't have a clue no i I was gonna go to google but that's cheating that's cheating. yeah (laughs) uh cj smith was uh was yeah he he went to umass law from des moines uh grew up mostly in in uh, minnesota as as Cal did as well, played most of his minor hockey there. But yeah, I went to Lowell and then signed as a free agent with Buffalo. And yeah, he was the second Iowan and Cal Peterson the third. And I, I hope to see, you know, I hope to see more. Hope to see more. You guys uh, have expanded the department, which is great to see. One uh, question I have is how do you avoid too many voices in your goaltender's ears? Is there uh, a structure of that? And who, who has the ability to have that one-on-one contact per day kind of thing? Yeah, and that's something you have to be sensitive of. Uh, going back to a uh, previous question that Kevin had to do is how's it changed, you know, since you played, right? Well, uh, kids these days, not just goaltenders, kids these days have got, um, you know, position specific, skill specific coaches from, geez, from the time they're like 10 years old. Uh, and these are coaches that have been with them for a long time. And then maybe they add another guy in. Geez, by the time we get them as a pro, um, they've got about three or four goalie coaches already in their goaltending network. Um, and then you add us to the, to the mix now, right? And now you got uh, myself as the, the goalie development guy. And now Brian Eklund is in Binghamton. And if a guy, you know, if a guy's coming up through our organization is working with me and then working with Brian, he gets called up and now he's working with, with Dave Rogalski. So yeah, that's a lot of cooks in the kitchen there, right? And so that's something we have to be sensitive of and be aware of is uh, not having too much, uh, you know, at times not too much contact. Um, we like to leave it to whoever's, you know, responsible for him at the time, whether it's me as, as a prospect or if it's Brian, you know, those are the, those are the guys that are really working with them day in and day out on the ice, going through some technical stuff. So if I call a guy who happens to be in Binghamton right now, it's, you know, staying consistent in the messaging. Um, which is why we have you know calls nearly daily, to be honest with you, within our organization. So we are all you know talking the same language, um, but we're also giving the same messaging. So the messaging is consistent, um, and that's a that's a, an important one. And I don't want to get too involved with the coaching aspect, other than to kind of mention some general you know general things that Brian Eckman has already been doing and they've already been working on. Is to sort of reinforce what Brian is doing, and that that's my job. Uh, is to back him up with what he, you know what he's doing, um, and then you do have that other aspect where, as I said, a lot of these guys and a lot of these goalies have got these external you know goalie coaches that are part of their network, guys that have believed in them and have worked with them for since a very young age, and I don't think it's right to totally push those guys aside. You know, the goalies have been leaning and trusting this person or persons for many many years, and we're just coming at the at you know the last year or two, we've drafted him, and now we're getting to know him, and we're kind of, kind of, you know, it's a, kind of a handoff. But in 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 reality, 
you know, I don't think you can shut those guys out. You know, the goal is trust them. Um, and just having those conversations with those type, you know, those, uh, external, you know, the network that these guys have, which I think is good. I think every person and every goalie, even myself as a goalie coach, I have a goalie coach network. When I played, I had a goalie network of players and coaches. Um, I don't think you, it's right to, to totally shut those guys out. Um, if they are, as long as they are a positive influence, uh, on, on the young athlete, then, then, you know, it's, it's welcome. And, but it has to be, you have to have no ego. You have to be open to, uh, new, you know, new ideas. Uh, and you have to be okay with sort of, you know, letting your, your, your guy go and not, like I said, we have to be cognizant of not having too many cooks in the kitchen. A lot of those guys end up back with them in the summers too, right? Like, I mean, you can't be hands-on all the time. So do you actively, you know, at times try and build those relationships so that I know some of the summer guys are really good about reaching out to the organization and mm-hmm. say, hey, where's the focus this offseason? Are there things you want me to make sure we're talking about and working on? A hundred percent. And that's great. When you got guys that that want to do that, uh, you know, to want to reach out and say, geez, I've been working with this guy for eight years. Uh, I think it's our responsibility as, as an organization to reach out to them first. You know, you draft a guy and then you reach out to them. Hey, yeah, I've seen him play uh, X number of times and we interviewed him and we, lo and behold, we drafted him. But guess who knows him better than than I know him? You know, I'd like to think I know him pretty well and we thought enough to draft him. But guess who knows him better than I do? Well, it's this goalie coach back from back home that's been working with him for eight years already. What can you tell me about this player? What what Where is he good? Where Where is he? You know, where is it, where has he come the long, you know, the furthest, uh, where have you seen the, the, as much growth? Where are the, where are the kind of the roadblocks he's having trouble getting over? Hopefully these are things that I'm going to find out. We're going to find out as an organization as we move along here, but I, I'd be naive to say that I knew more than what he knows after working with him for the past six, seven, eight years, you know? Uh, and then you do develop that relationship. So now uh, in the off season, when they go back and start working with them and say, what, where do we need to work on? We, where do we need to work on? Uh, he's not my guy and don't screw up my guy. It's uh, how can we work together to make this player the best? Because when, you know, when, when we're fighting as goalie coaches, uh, that only hurts the player, right? And, and then the goalie. So we're all pulling on the same rope in the same direction. Um, you have to manage those, those relationships, but, um, but it's, you know, when, when you have help and everyone's trying to do the same things. And when you got these goalie coaches say, what, what do you think? What should we, what, what do we, what, you know, what are the target areas that I should work on this summer? And, you know, and you get on the same page that way. And that, that, I think that helps everyone. As I listen to you talk about the, you know, how to manage the development and the path and the plan and going back to Iowa and hoping for more, I know you're involved with USA hockey um, and you've done some work with them, some great work with them. Um, are you, do you see similarities in terms of as the devils expand their goaltending department to the work that USA hockey has done to try and expand, you know, not the same, but, a, you know, across the country access to expertise and coaching and, and, and building out, you know, the 51 and 30, like it's a bold, yeah. ambitious plan, but, um, you see some action behind it. hundred percent. And, and USA hockey has done a great job of, and they've done this for a long time of identifying you know, where, where we can be better, what we need to do to be better, reaching out to voices like myself, uh, you know, that, that they'll have calls that are just, you know, for the pro hockey guys on there. It'll just be like a goalie, pro hockey goalie calls. And we're all, they're asking a lot of questions and what do we need to focus on? How can we do things better? And, um, you know, you think about what we're doing on a very, very small scale here in New Jersey, 
uh, and other organizations doing the same thing. You think about how challenging it is for USA Hockey to do it uh, on, a, on, a, on a nationwide scale, right? I mean, they've got regional coaches that are you know, uh, assigned to different regions of the U.S. and getting the, those programs uh, and how to, how to coach and how to teach and then getting, you know, they're, uh, it, it's so, uh, it's such a large scale um, operation that is very difficult, but they've been very good with, uh, you know, reaching out, trying to figure out how best to, to, to execute really. Um, and, uh, you know, it'd be great if every, you know, every organization like ours and, or even going down the line, every like USHL organization and every, uh, you know, USA hockey, it'd be great if, if everyone had just, you know, loads of money that you just throw at whatever we need to do. Well, it'd be great if we could just hire a guy to do this and this and this and this. Um, and there's a reason why, uh, you know, even from an NHL standpoint, it's the reason why probably one of the reasons why it's taken so long to catch on. Right. But it'd be great if, uh, they could do that. Obviously, you know, you have to, uh, budget your, your, uh, your money correctly. And, uh, how to, how to do that is, uh, obviously a big, big task and a big challenge for USA hockey, but, um, they're pushing and we're, we're trying to, we're trying to get everything, uh, is done as, as effectively as possible. Uh, and I want to do my, my part to help out as, uh, you know, as much as possible. Okay. Well, we got to wrap this up soon, but I did want to ask one more. And I think the devil should be applauded because not only are you expanding, but you're expanding in a pandemic, you're committing more resources to the position at a time when revenues are at their lowest. And so whether it's New Jersey, Arizona, Florida, the Calgary, the teams that have done this, I think deserve applause, but I can't let you go without asking this one. You're, you're working with Marty there. We've had the pleasure of having an hour with him as well. The way he saw the game, the way he read the game was so unique. We see goalies now come in at times, I don't know at your level, but certainly in the minor level where they've got these coaches from a very young age, they can become very programmed. Goalie school goalie is the term that gets thrown a lot. I don't know that it's fair to paint everyone in the same brush, but at a time when that can happen, where you can become sort of just, you know, you do the drills very well, but you might not be able to play the game at the same level. How do you avoid that? What are those conversations like? How much does Marty's ability to read the game and that side, which you all would have had to play at this level, how do you teach that? How do you teach reads and that types of things to young goaltenders? Both say if it's us trying to help young kids or yourself with pros coming in. Oh, well, this is a question that obviously is baffled. It's loaded. <laughs> everyone, for, from the end of, end of time, and, and it's never going to get fully answered, you know. Uh, how do you teach hockey sense is basically your question, right? Uh, no matter what position that, that you play. And obviously the athletes are different uh, nowadays. Uh, it, I, I would say back when Marty played uh, and how the position, the goaltending position was coached as well, um, you know, it was hard to make it if you didn't have um, – you know, above average to good hockey sense. Uh, I don't care who you are. And then, uh, you know, even going on to, to today's athlete, um, the elite ones all have one thing in common. They're, they have good hockey sense, right? Uh, and hockey, uh, high hockey IQ. I actually do think you can probably get away to, with some, uh, in some circumstances and to, to some degree, you can get away with actually just being, you know, having limited hockey sense, but just being a, a an athletic goalie. Um, if you're quick enough, well, geez, maybe if, if you're big enough and you're filling, filling the net up, uh, and your positioning is good and you can probably get away with it. Um, 
hard to be elite and one of the best if you don't have good hockey sense. So how do you teach it? Well, I don't know if there's a, a right answer to this, and, and I certainly don't have, and I certainly don't have it if I did. <laughs> um, and, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be debated for the end of time, um, depending upon who you talk to. But I can tell you this, like, from my, from my standpoint, you know, one thing you can do, um, and like you said, goalies, co- you know, goalie coaches have to be careful not to turn their goalies into robots. And the goalies have to understand, I think it's imperative that as a goalie coach, you Met, you know, you make sure the athlete understands that you know you can't just go out there and structure the game to death. Like there's going to be at least, I would say, at least fifteen percent of the game where you got to have, you just got to make a save. You got to do something to make a save. Uh, I don't care what it is, uh, and it has to be part of your instinctual ability as an athlete uh, that you're not going to go out there. And, uh, you know, I had a, a goalie coach, a young goalie coach explain it to me. This one was very, very good. Uh, and he said, sort of like, you know, goaltending is sort of like uh, having an axe where your structure and your system that you play with is that edge of that axe. And if it could be sharp, you're razor sharp, that's great. But you can't just go out, you know, the axe isn't just going to sit by the tree and chop the tree down. You know, you got to put that effort in. Um, it can't just be that entitlement where I have my structure and my game is so good. I'm technically good and just structure the game to death. I think you can, like I said, I think you'll probably get away with it, but you have to make sure I, in my opinion, you got to make sure that these athletes know that you have to, not only is it okay, you have to deviate from that structure at times during every game, every game. Uh, it, if you don't, you can go and be fine. You know, you can maybe even have a long career in the American league and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you want to play in the NHL, you want to play in the NHL. And not only that, you want to stay in the NHL. And to be able to do that, you have to make those saves at those times, those game changing saves, those saves that you're not expected to make. Well, how do you make them? You make them with instinctual uh, plays, really. You know what I mean? No, no matter how you do it, you just do it. You just get the job done. Because I can tell you as a goalie coach, you're working it all week long about technical stuff and how to do things. But I can tell you, as soon as the game starts, I'm sitting up in the stands watching. And there are times in the game where I'm like, all right, forget everything I said. Just stop this puck. Just forget everything that we've worked on, everything I said. At this moment, just stop the puck, you know? Like I said, I don't think you can play the whole game that way. Like, let's just throw the book out the window. Just, I don't know, just go stop it. You can't play the whole game that way. But they have to understand. How do you teach hockey stance? They have to understand that. You you have your system, but you have to you have to deviate from it if, if you want to move up. If you want to make those saves that get you promoted to the NHL. If you want to if you want to stay in the NHL and become a good NHL player, you have to deviate from it. it, it the, the axe isn't going to chop the tree down by itself. It, it, it's that line. Where is that line between structure and making it up? How much of a percentage is structure? How much of it is making it up? But you need both. Yeah, you, you have to have yes. both. Uh, uh, yeah. This has been awesome. I, I had no idea that you were interviewing with uh, Marty Brodeur all those years, though. Uh, did you did you realize yeah. that? Yeah, sure. So well, we sat next to each other. I don't know, you know what I mean. And, uh, so it was a very long interview, right? <laughs> About twenty years. <laughs> uh, congratulations! Uh, really, uh, really happy for uh, what you and your group are doing here, and uh, and I can't wait for others to uh, to fall in line because it's uh, there's you guys are onto something. Uh, congratulations, Scotty. Well, thanks. Yeah, hopefully I don't screw it up for all the uh, goalie coaches out there. <laughs> Imagination structure. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. No, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. 
we do have to get him back on. And I, I like being on, on that interview because I got to hear in person, live, what do you say? One more question. <laughs> and and he held, he held it to, to one more question. Uh, I wonder if that was Marty Broder phoning through when, when he, the phone rang. I, I, I wanted to let him know that we were almost done. I promise. We started a little late, but I figured he probably had an hour, you know, that one hour, nine o'clock block, but we didn't start till like 920. So I was trying to, I was trying to, I wanted to ask him that question, but I also wanted him to know as, a, as he kept glancing at the phone and yeah. the, I, I knew somebody was calling. And I'm like, yeah, we better let him go here pretty quick. So I, I stuck, I, I, hey, no, man, you're great. One, one question. I actually, for a change, actually didn't turn it into four. Can you give me an idea of, of what they're doing with the New Jersey Devils? And this is sort of uh, burying the lead in a way, but the, the announcement that, uh, that they made uh, regarding the, the expanded attention to goaltending? Well, I mean, basically, they're building out a department, and we've seen it throughout the summer. And the truth is, you know, we kind of, I, I think one of my early stories on one of the first teams that sort of officially announced it this summer, I think Arizona Coyotes, when I first wrote about it on NHL.com, like I mentioned, you know, some of the history of the concept of a director of goaltending, um, and that there was another team expected to make an announcement and that they'd been operating under this same type of structure all summer already. And that was actually the New Jersey Devils. I think Tom Fitzgerald had actually talked about this at one point over the summer that they were, maybe they didn't have official titles set up, but that with Marty and with Scott, I mean, the fact that they hired an AHL goalie coach, which used to be part of Scott's job, and Scott was a part of that, told you that they were building out an expanded structure with more voices and more opinions and, and Marty and Scott at the top sort of coordinating things. So, um, you know, Brian Eklund is the guy they hired for the AHL. Dave Rogalski, a guy that uh, we know and, and are big fans of here at Ingle, hired him for the Devils job. They're at four. You heard Scott talk about it um, in terms of expanding the scouting department. We've seen the Florida Panthers do this. We've seen other teams go down this path. And I think the ones that have done it in the middle of a pandemic when revenues are down and fans aren't in the building need to be applauded because they're committing more resources to a position, which is something I've argued for years needed to be done. But they're doing it at a time when other teams, frankly, are cutting back. There's two teams in the NHL that don't even have goalie coaches in the American Hockey League right now um, because of budget concerns. And these teams like the Panthers, like the Coyotes, like the Devils, Calgary Flames as well this summer have actually expanded and added more people for the position. More eyes, more voices, more opinions, all coordinated and organized together to sort of deliver, you know, at least not a cookie cutter, but something of a uniform approach to how they build and develop and draft goaltending. The part that uh, jumped out to me, uh, Hutch, was how Scott Clemenson admitted that he played with the the stick, the, the lie, the paddle length, everything like he adjusted throughout his career. And that was so refreshing because when I, when I ask those questions, a lot of the time I'm expecting this, the stock. No, I just, I stayed the same and I didn't yep, do much yep. with it. And I thought that was really neat. Yeah, no, it was fascinating. And, and, and just the tone of it was, was one of experimentation and wanting to try to improve. It wasn't, oh yeah, something new came along. I'd try that. Or as you say, I'm not going to try that because I'm tried and true. There was a real inquisitive educational yeah. aspect of the way he talked about it. So clearly, right from the beginning, he was set up for a position like this. Isn't it remarkable, though, Woody, you've been arguing for this for a long time, that 
in many ways, there's minor hockey associations ahead of the NHL on this one. And, and often a lot of trends come up from the bottom. But we, we've got a number of people who've been in contact with us over the years that are trying to set up a sort of integrated program within their minor hockey association to make sure that the position is well cared for. And we know that Hockey Canada has tried to do things. We know USA Hockey is doing things. Uh, and it's great to see the NHL finally getting on board. And uh, I, f- I feel bad for those guys in the American League that you just mentioned, Woody, that don't have goaltending coaches right now because these are the prospects that have to fill the pipeline as m- moving up. And they need support every bit as much, if not more, than the the players out there. You know, and I think that th- that... You know, even in regular times, and those are budget things that are going on down there right now. But even in regular yeah. times, like like we've talked about the East, well, the ECHL, I almost call it the East Coast, but the ECHL becoming uh, a serious part of the development path, especially for goaltenders, because teams have five and six guys that, that that they're working with or working on or or trying to help that are in their organization, and only you know in a regular year four spots in the AHL and the NHL, and um. You know, having more guys making so that your development guy is not also your AHL guy frees up, gives you more time to get all the way down to the ECHL. How many times, and I'm not going to name names, but how many times have you seen a coveted college free agent sign with a team, start in the ECHL, which is fine because that's where he's going to get to play the most. But then we talk to them later on and they're like, totally left to their own devices first year pro trying to figure things out in a league where things can be a little chaotic and they get no help from the nhl organization it happens a lot more than you think and i think and when i see that i'm like hold on you committed how much to like you 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 recruited this kid other teams were competing for his interests you sign him you give him real money to be part of your organization and then you just let him figure it out on his own. Like I get, hey, there's an element to controlling your game and knowing how to manage your game, but just like no help. And again, not going to name names, but man, the amount of times I've heard that story from a guy who started in the ECHL is is frankly disappointing. And as teams commit more resources to the position, it makes it more realistic. And Siggy talked about this when we had him and LaBarbera on that, you know, even if it's him going to the AHL and Thomas Spear now having more time to go to the ECHL, however each team divides it out, you're going to have more resources for the goaltenders from top to bottom. And that includes the ECHL, which, again, is, a, is, is, a, is an important part of your development path if you have more than four goaltenders in your organization. Scott Clemson turned pro after four years at Boston College, and uh, that was back in 2001. Wow. 2001, 2002. So it would have been 2002 after his Boston College team uh, season. The incredible uh, performance. Four, uh, four years. Four, four years. years. All four, Frozen Four. That's like, you don't go to college and get to go to the Frozen Four all four years. That doesn't happen. He did. And sat in the, the top of the mountain uh, at Boston College. And, you know, he played more more games for Florida than he did New Jersey. And I think of him as a as a New Jersey devil for some reason, but uh, almost twice as many games uh, as as with the Florida Panthers. Just yeah. the eye test, right? I remember, I, I'm with you too. I think of him as a devil, but there's a reason I also do think of him as a Florida Panther, and that's because at the time, he was one of only two goalies in the NHL wearing warrior gear while he was down with the Panthers. It was him and Jonas Gustafsson with the, uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They were the two that Warriors sort of got first to wear their gear at the NHL level. Uh, I don't know if Scott ever wore, ever wore the mechanical arms. I know Gustafson did at a point. 
Um, and that's, you know, another reason we have to have him back on to have that gear discussion about those decisions. The monster, Jonas Gustafsson. I uh, haven't heard that name. Recently retired. Oh, I think yes. he just he? just oh. very recently announced his retirement or that there this was go. his last year. I'll have to check it. Wow. Uh, like he was, he was much coveted and uh, had had a lot a uh, lot of hype around him when he broke in with the National Hockey League and and played with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Also, remember the stint uh, with the with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, a different different era of the game. We were sort of right in that uh, trying to figure it out mode uh, with a lot of styles in that game. Never mind the the vintage era of goaltending when it was just more more on your own when you did it. And we we've got a now, an outlet for people who want to relive some of those days, Hutch. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, the days that you and I played and Woody was still a little baby. Um, Vintage Tendy Magazine has just launched. And uh, we're not really affiliated with them. They just reached out and wanted to share what they were, were doing. And uh, I am now looking at a picture of uh, Felix Potvin on my screen wearing my very favorite pads of all time, those Toronto Maple Leaf co-hosts. Uh, I love them so much. I went out and bought a set. And uh, we have a, an excerpt from the new Vintage Tendy magazine over at ingoldmag.com now. And uh, you can see a little bit of Felix talking about his gear over the years. And Vintage Tendy magazine is 80 plus pages of thick, high gloss. You can hold it in your hands. It's laid out like it was done back in the day. Uh, and you can start reliving some of your 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 days gone by of goaltenders pre-2000. So Scott Clements and guys wouldn't quite qualify to be in Vintage Tendy Magazine. Oh, there's a cutoff? Well, they they said they're aiming around pre-2000. Nice, that's yeah, good though. Yeah, I yeah, like that. Fun. Yeah, yeah, I really do. And I know a lot of people always reach out to us and say, hey, can't you do a printed version of In Goal? And, you know, the answer is both. It's really tough to make it work economically, and we've got so much video in Ingle now that that we are never going to be printing, I don't think. But uh, but these guys have, and uh, so if you go check out Ingle, you'll uh, see a little bit about what they're doing. You'll see a little screenshot of what the mag looks like, and uh, and maybe you can go check out what they're doing on their socials or on their website. And and I know there's going to be a whole lot of our our listeners and our readers uh, who grew up in that era who would would enjoy getting their hands on it. See, I'm, I may be a little too young for this, but I'm definitely not. Like I'm old enough that I remember cutting pages out of magazines and turning them into posters on the wall. And the gloss and the print quality and the image quality in this thing is such that you can like absolutely cut these out and turn like they're frameable. Some of these images and the, the paper stock is like better than most paper stock. It's so nice and thick. So real high end, high quality, much like the gear that was made back then. Uh, and, and that's the audience they're after. Did you just hold that up to your face and smell it? It smells like an old magazine. Like, I haven't smelt that in so long, right? Like, I did, okay? I smelt the magazine. I'm, I'm a little, I may be the young kid in this group, but I'm a little old school that way. There's a reason I started in journalism that, you know, that getting a fresh issue. It's, it was cool. I like it. He, he also showed how sort of frou-frou and she-she he is because he told me, this paper is so high quality, you could cut it out and put it on your wall. And I'm like, Woody, yeah. when I was that age, I would have taken the crappiest paper with any photo of a guy I loved and thrown it up on my wall. But, you know, Woody's got his standards and we got to live up to them. And, and I mean, got to say, if you look at his background there, he did mention this paper was so good you could frame it. And I'll agree with him on that one. He's got that gorgeous office with those yes. Olympic jerseys all framed. We can't, you've sort of got one back. You framed your own, Darren. So I'm not sure what that says, but. You know, and then my office is I a used a hanger. disaster. So, 
I didn't frame it. I just used a hanger. I'm looking what? at a ha- I'm looking at a frame. With oh, that's on, that's buddy. my like my first ever jersey. That's uh, when really? I when I was like uh, eight years old, ten years old. I was gonna say it looks a little small. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That well, uh, pretty- I got that was for Christmas uh, for my wife. Well, so that you was got before the era Ken Dryden's complaining about. So you can yes, your, and that's thirty one for Phil Meir. Actually, uh, is oh, right I was on. I was a Flyers fan for Phil, and then I became uh, I was a Bernie Prant fan, fan, and then I was Phil Meir was the goalie at the time, and then Pete Peter. So and anyway, right that on. that thirty one is for. Um, I, l- I love that your eight-year-old jersey is framed and the Gretzky autographed uh, all-star game jersey isn't. That's <laughs> it's just, it's just on a hanger. It's just on a That's hanger. Awesome. <laughs> Prior- priorities, yeah. It's, it's, it's your little uh, tribute to yourself. If you can't love yourself, who can you really love? I, 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 I wrote that down when Woody told me that uh, so long ago. <laughs> uh, so uh, thanks to everybody at, uh, the hockey shop, the hockey shop.com, uh, source for sports Surrey. Uh, let's, uh, give out the, the code again and just, uh, let everybody know that the, the sale continues. The demo sale continues as we lead up to what I call is the, the launch, but you guys have a much fancier name, uh, for the new gear that's, uh, that's coming in the next couple of weeks. The code, as I look it up, scramble to find it, is IGM450. Just use that at checkout. Just just check out ingoldmag.com for all the details on the code to get uh, your $450 off Sense Arena uh, goalie to go and a free year of Ingold Premium. IGM450 is the code at checkout, or you can find it on all our social channels or at ingoldmag.com. And at uh, Source for Sports Surrey is Ingold20. I was just going to say for all our current members who might be hearing about this free year of InGoal and be a little ticked off, if you get Sense Arena, we're just going to extend your membership by another year. So you're not losing out on this. Even if you're a current member, you're going to get a free year out of it. That's so great because I'm always frustrated when I'm sitting there at the the cell phone, my mobile phone place, and the person beside me comes over from another company and they get a better deal than I do and I've been with them. So thank you. Thank you for that. For, for making me feel good. So in goal 20 at Source for Sports uh, Surrey and IGM 450 for Sense Arena. We got codes all over the place. <laughs> yeah, we should probably have just the same code for everybody. No, no, uh, no, no, no. Because that, that, would, that would make it uh, way too simple. It's this like is having this the same is, password. This is a thinking man's position. <laughs> it is a thinking man's <laughs> position. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, that was a lot of fun with Scott Clemenson. I, I can't wait to loop back with him. First question is going to be, who is phoning? Uh, who's beeping through uh, the last time we talked to him? And then we'll get into his career and uh, all the times. Uh, I, always, I always thought he was taller than 6'2". I looked at his bio and 6'2", and he just he, he looked taller. So there's a, there's a, a different uh, way to uh, approach the game, and, uh, and Scott Clemenson certainly was a thinking man's game. Uh, for Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison, I'm Darren Millar. Thanks for listening to In Goal Radio, the podcast. Be safe, and we'll talk to you next week. 